Good morning. Dave and Doreen along with Marcus. This is the Morning KLH. Thank you for listening. We appreciate that. It's time to check in with our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, co-host of Wildey and Tausch on ESPN Radio here in Milwaukee. Good morning, Jason Wildey. How are you doing today? Good morning, everyone. I'm great. How are you? We're good. good. We have one major question. Why can't they go back on instant replay and see if their penalty calls are correct, especially with the John Runyon stuff, the Mm -hmm. offsides? It just seems so unfair. And I don't even know what Greg Olson or whoever, Kevin Burkhart, whatever they were talking about, that his helmet was over the plane of the ball. Did it look that way to you? So I learned something new yesterday from my uh, co-host and longtime NFL offensive lineman, Mark Tauscher. When you hear them announce neutral zone infraction, mm-hmm. do you know what the neutral zone is? No. I have no idea. I, I didn't realize the size of it either. It is the size of the football. So if you could draw, like, if you could graphically have a line, the width of the football across the field, you cannot be, no part of you, John Runyon was explaining to this, uh, this to us after the game what he was told as well, no part of you can be within that zone, uh, the width of the football. And his helmet was in that zone. And so technically, that is a penalty. Now, very rarely is that called, and it happens quite frequently. But what they are trying to do with the, uh, with the proliferation of, what, what do the Eagles call it, the brotherly shove? Yeah, the brotherly shove, uh, yeah. I've, I've also heard it called the tush push. Mm-hmm. Um, that they are cracking down, and they do not want offensive linemen to kind of cheat that by being in the neutral zone. So he was, he was guilty both times. Um, but I had never, I said this to someone yesterday, I had never heard that. I had never heard offensive offsides. And this is season 28. So that had never happened during my time that I could remember. And it happened twice in the first half. And, uh, I think it's the right call. It's just a rare call. And luckily for the Packers, they were facing a backup quarterback and were able to overcome that fairly easily. But there were so many penalties, though. Like, there it's were. hard to watch sometimes. With yeah. It seems like they're repeating the same things over and over again. And I, how do you fix that? Growth, youth, experience. Like, they're just, you know, Matt LaFleur's teams have not historically been heavily penalized. Uh, two years ago, they had the fewest penalties in the league. Even last year, when they weren't very good, they were had the seventh fewest penalties in the league. I just think this is young players that and and look, John, take John Runyon's out uh, because they're so unusual. But there's just it's young players doing foolish things, and they're they're still struggling to improve at that. And you certainly expect improvement. You can't just keep saying for a 17 game season, oh, they're young. They're just these are young people mistakes, but. You know, we're we're now eight games in, and you would like to see that number start to decrease. And obviously, it hasn't decreased enough for anyone. Not for you, Dory. Not for Matt Lafleur. Not for anyone. And speaking of Matt Lafleur, it seems like he's always had a calm demeanor on the sidelines, regardless of dumb penalties, and whatnot. But it seems like he's gotten a little angrier on the sidelines. Is it just me? Probably. It's usually just yeah. you, Mark. It you usually know, is. I, I, you're right. I, I think. Uh, I know. I think you're right. I mean, I I think he's. You know, I think he's kind of been searching for uh, effective motivational tools with these guys. Like, 
you know, when, when there's so many young players and inexperienced players, do you, do you yell and scream and rant and rave? Can you treat them like grown-ups? You know, when you have a veteran team, you know, I think the inclination is to, you know, the, the old saying is treat them like men. Uh, now, some guys, even when they're veteran players, they don't merit being treated that way. They need to be hollered at to get them going. Uh, but when it comes to young guys, you know, what's the most effective approach? I think they're, I think Matt LaFleur has spent the entire season trying to kind of figure that out. Now, I will say this. I looked further into it because I was really intrigued by it. Uh, and I corresponded with Matt after the game to find out more. Um, but they, they called it Mirror Week. I looked further into it because I was really intrigued by it. Uh, and I corresponded with Matt after the game to find out more. Um, but they, they called it Mirror Week, um, which there's a former Kimberly head football coach named Steve Jones, who Kimberly won 70 games in a row. I don't know if you guys remember this. They won five mm-hmm. state championships. And he quit coaching in 2022 to become a motivational speaker. I don't know if the Packers have him on retainer or if he and LaFleur have just become friends, but LaFleur, you know, kind of utilizes his expertise as he searches for whether it's themes to present to the team or other motivational tools. And so they called this mirror week and it had a double meaning. One was that the Rams are kind of a mirror image of the Packers. They run the same defensive scheme. They run the same offensive scheme with some different small differences. LaFleur, and Sean McVay, the Rams head coach, are really good friends. LaFleur's younger brother is the offensive coordinator, Mike, for the Rams. So that was one part of the mirror. But the other part was, you guys got to look in the mirror. You know, we've lost four in a row and five out of the last six. Look in the mirror and reflect and think about what can I do to help this team win. Now, it turns out the best thing that you could do was face a backup quarterback, yeah. if we're being fair, because Brett Rippon is terrible. But – they also took that to heart. And, and I, you know, when you hear players, Tausch always says this too, when you hear players talking about something that the coach said, it means that it resonated. And I think it really did with them this week. And they looked in the mirror and they said, we're tired of losing. We're going to figure out a way to win for once. Doesn't mean it's going to carry over for the next nine weeks, but at least we're not talking about yet another loss this morning. A couple of notes about the Joe Barry-led defense. I don't think I've seen a defensive back more dominant than Jair Alexander was during that game. He seemed to be wherever the ball was going. It was pretty amazing, his ball hawking skills. And then what about those young defensive linemen, Carl Brooks, and I think the other one is Colby Wooden. Colby Wooden. Those yeah. guys, uh, was that a surprise to you to see how well they played? Yeah, they had some really good moments, and, and that became even more important when Kenny Clark wasn't able to come back into the game because he hurt his shoulder. Uh, I, I thought those guys had really good – performances. I thought their two rookie seventh-round picks who had to play, uh, Carrington Valentine, who took over for Russell Douglas, who was traded to Buffalo, and Anthony Johnson, who filled in for Rudy Ford, who was out with a calf injury, both played well. Uh, Johnson had the interception off of the deflection by Jair. Uh, Carrington Valentine let him in pass breakups. So those were all good things. But I, I, I think it's, it's interesting that you bring up Jair because um, I – I think that there was probably some concern among the coaches that trading Rasul Douglas, which sent a very clear message that uh, we really want to acquire assets for the future and this, this trade does not make us better in the short term. I think they were a little worried that maybe Jair, who can be outspoken at times, would be sufficiently bothered that he might, you know, might not be 
the most supportive, whether it was teammate or the coach's messaging or whatever it might have been. And instead, he was the exact opposite. You know, he was very encouraging. He played really well, seemed to not be bothered at all by his back that's been troubling him for much of the season. So I thought that was encouraging. And it was interesting. LeFleur gave out only one game ball yesterday, and he gave it to Alexander, which is a little surprising because I think there were other guys that probably were more deserving based on productivity. But I think that that was part of it, that they really appreciated that he took something that he was, I can tell you, really angry about, trading Rasul Douglas. And he didn't sulk. He didn't allow it to impact how he treated his teammates or how he performed himself. He answered the bell. And that's a really good observation, Dave. So it seems that on a week-to-week basis, we're hearing about more of the higher-profile players coming down with Achilles, ACL injuries, more so than in the past. Do you think the NFL will look into this as we proceed throughout the year and continue to hear about these injuries? Yeah, certainly there feels like there's been a lot of Achilles tears, starting with, uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, and then last week, Kirk Cousins, and now this week, uh, Cam Akers suffered that injury. You know, Kirk Cousins did it on uh, hybrid natural grass with uh, synthetic fibers stitched into them, which is what Lambeau Field has, which I thought it looked slippery again yesterday at Lambeau Field. Very Uh, slippery, yeah. And and then it rained, and then it became even more slippery. Um, So, again, look, I I know the NFL has tried to uh, present data that shows that there's the risk of injury differential is negligible between turf and grass. Uh, I know David Bakhtiari has been a big proponent of this. I, I was, we were actually talking about this uh, as we were walking into the stadium. One of the things that in David Bakhtiari's case, because the, the first game was in Germany, and I asked one of my colleagues, are they playing on grass or turf? Because one of the things that I think, whether it's just, spin or just bad optics is that when the Packers played in London last year, they played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is the home of a a premier soccer team. And they removed the grass that the soccer team plays on and put in artificial turf for that game. Uh, And then when the United States is hosting the World Cup, they're taking all these artificial turf stadiums, including MetLife, where Rodgers tore his Achilles, and they're putting in grass just for FIFA. And to me, if, if that's not acknowledging that turf is more dangerous than grass, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. And so to allow that and to continue along that, look, there's complicating factors, right? It's not easy to grow grass in some climates. But the bottom line is, is that, that you are losing. This is when things change, is when you lose star players do injuries and certainly Kirk Cousins and obviously Aaron Rodgers qualify for that. With all the technology that there is out there, they can grow grass anywhere if you really have the money and the time and the expertise to do it, right? And the NFL does or could hire someone. They definitely have the money. Yeah. yeah there's no excuse for it. But but again, look, I you know, I know um, the guy who's in charge of the surfaces at for the Packers. He's a great guy and um I know that he gets, he's very, very dedicated to his job. Like, he's one of those guys that if you run into him and ask him how he's doing, you want to ask him, you know, hey, how are your kids, whatever, and he's, he starts, you know, talking about grass. Like, yes, <laughs> he just loves grass. Right. And I, I know how seriously he takes his job. And while, yes, you're right, with the, enough money, you can pretty much do anything, 
um, that not, that money doesn't necessarily get to him sometimes. And so, you know, he's he really is busting his tail trying to make sure that the surface is in the top level condition. And, and as we saw yesterday, you know, whether it's rain or, or fluctuating temperatures or whatever else, it's a little more complicated than that. One final question. You mentioned the game that happened over in Germany, Kansas City, Miami. What's the end goal for the NFL? Are they hoping for a European division at some point? I think that would be really interesting, and I'd be curious if it would happen in my time covering the league. I I, I know that there's been conversations of at least just having one team there, but I don't know how realistic that is, and I don't know what the logistics would be to, you know, do you have, you you have to change everything about your scheduling. Like you have to make sure that every team that plays a road game in London uh, and institute a second bye week for every team. So if you play in London, you have another bye. Uh, what would you do with the team when it played its road games in the U.S.? Would would they have a U.S. headquarters and stay? You know, would they play back to back road games uh, every? you know, out of their eight or nine road games. I, they keep talking about how logistically it'd be challenging. Now, I've never been to Europe, and the fact that the Packers didn't take the bye week meant that we did not go on that trip last year, even though we had planned on it. But I didn't really feel like going to Europe for three days was probably worth it. But yeah. it's, it's, what, a seven-hour flight, an eight-hour mm-hmm. flight? Like, yeah. I, maybe we're at a point to Doreen's point, you know, whether it's technology or money, that there's a way to do this that you can uh, make it a little more simple than, you know, it's not that much worse than if you play for the Rams and you play in New York, right? right. It's not that vastly different. So uh, maybe we're closer to that than we think. All right, Jason, thank you for the insight. We'll talk to you later in the week about the upcoming game Sunday in Pittsburgh. All right. Sounds great, everybody. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wilde, our Green and Gold Insider. And... He's being brought to you today by our fine sponsors, Mr. Holland's Home Services. Call 866-992-1717 or mrhollandshomeservices.com. Jason, also brought to you by DJ's Transmissions and Milwaukee Muscle Cars and Restoration. Now buying vintage minibikes and muscle cars, visit djstransmissions.com. Jason Wildey, part of the Morning KLH.